the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. If you want to get in on the conversation, you may do so at 602-508-0960. I was making the point earlier or beginning trying to make the point earlier um, that it's an it's an interesting um, disconnect that won't matter probably much in the long run, but it's an interesting disconnect that um, the Democrats from about January 7th to about uh, April 10th liked to lecture us about the importance of and the sanctity of the police, particularly when it came to guarding the American Republic from a right-wing insurrection on January 6th. About the police the year before, in 2020, Democratic leaders had very little to say when they weren't busy helping bail out rioters who were attacking them, and when they weren't busy giving lip service to an apologia for those who called them terrible names, calling, referring to them as animals and engaging in riotous behavior against them throughout the country. And now again, the pendulum swings yet once more and the police are on the chopping block in the Democratic media and the Democratic politicians mouths yet again, particularly because of the goings-on in Minnesota, specifically the trial of Derek Chauvin and the death in, um, the death in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, of Duarte Wright, of, uh, Duarte Wright. How people can jump to the conclusions they jump to is one question. The second question is, when we read about January 6th, what we read about it, and we learn that most of the charges were basically trespassing charges, when we read that of the I think it's just under 300 people who were arrested in the January 6th riot. When we read that none of them were arrested on weapons charges, um, when we read those things, we have to begin to question the entire nature of that event being called a violent insurrection or even an insurrection. An insurrection usually requires weapons, And it certainly requires something more 
than a disparate and disjointed series of messages from environmentalists to MAGA over-enthusiasts. But, but, all that aside, think about this for a moment. We will bend over backwards and forwards as well I think we should to understand every shooting that is either partially or in full or every death that is captured partially or in full on video between a police officer and a non-police officer. We should investigate that, of course, of course, so that we know when Rashida Tlaib and AOC say that these police act with impunity that they are lying. They are lying. They are not. The police have never acted with impunity. In fact, the uh, police officer involved in the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Center uh, shooting has uh, already not only left her job, but she's been indicted on second-degree murder within three days of the event. That's not impunity. It's the opposite of it. But for as much media and attention was on supporting, obviously, law enforcement, which I did on January 6th, for an event that ended by the end of the day. Do you realize Congress was back in session on the Hill by the end of January 6th? The amount of attention that's garnered comparative or compared to the violence that's taking place in Minnesota right now, right now, which is not only anti-American anti, anti, um, themed, but deliberately anti-police. They broke the glass and looted a Dollar Tree store from one media report I'm reading. Broken windows and graffiti now mark the mall on Humboldt Avenue. Trash and debris everywhere. Fires still being put out. 35 businesses in Brooklyn Center damaged with the owners left to pick up the pieces and put them back together. Of those 35 businesses that were rioted against in Brooklyn Center, of those of those 35 over the last three days, how many do you think are back in business? And I'm betting none. They were boarding their windows. Didn't quite get the same treatment Congress got where they were back in their desks and chairs by evening. By evening. Yet that, that is what represents America or Trump supporters Whereas this that's taking place in Brooklyn Center right now, fires, broken glass, businesses shuttered, windows boarded up in a relatively small community, 35 businesses breached. That, that narrative, because the cause of the rioters is obviously left-wing, and anti-police, that will get no attention. In fact, if you call it a riot, you could lose your job as the chief of the Brooklyn 
Center police force did. He called it a riot, and he was the next day fired. As I say, we can keep going down this road. We can keep playing this games. Or you can be a common sense American who calls out the lies of the left. How would a common sense American do that? Quite simply this way. On January 6th, 7th, and 8th, to Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, welcome to the party, pal. We've been talking about the importance of law and order for the better part of the previous year. You said let people do what people do. We said arrest the thugs. Now comes January 6th. Guess what we said? Arrest the thugs. Guess what you said? Arrest the thugs. We didn't change. You did. Then comes this bitter April. Where are you? Where are you? You have nothing to say about arresting the thugs and everything to say about supporting the narrative that the police require defunding. This is what is right now tripping up the nominee of Joe Biden's for the position of Assistant Attorney General of the United States for Civil Rights, Kristen Clark. This is what's tripping her up because last year she was writing about the importance of defunding the police. Now, no longer. And why no longer? Because she's about to become part of the government if she gets her wish. She will be the number three at the Department of Justice. And why, Ted Cruz asks her, does she no longer have the view of defunding the police? I can't wait to play this audio on the other side of the break. You, 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 you would think that the Biden and the Democratic Party operatives would have better crisis management answers prepared for this nominee. Do you know what her answer was? Her answer was, I wasn't on the side of the police then. I wasn't in power then. Now I'm going to be. She literally says that. Bear with me and listen when we come back. It's astounding. So astounding it shuts Ted Cruz up, and that's not an easy thing to do. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. Here's a little Metallica. A little John Sebastian there for you. Okay, this is a story that weirdly comes full circle. So right before we left that last segment, Jimmy Buffett came on and I said, here's a little Metallica for you. And um, my, uh, my trumpet teacher, Greg, texts me Metallica because his ear is at least as tuned finely enough to know the difference between the Coral Reefer Band and Metallica. What's funny about that, the explanation for that is this. I, my producer, Bill, has dripping contempt for all my bumper selections. And whenever I give him one, he sighs. And particularly true when I give him a Jimmy Buffett song. And so I gave him this Jimmy Buffett song, Volcano, a couple weeks ago. And I asked him, to, and I said, Bill, you're going to like this one. Don't you like it? Don't you like it? It's different. Don't you like it? And he looks up to me expressionless and just says calmly, I like Metallica. 
the reason he has and why this story comes full circle, the reason he has dripping contempt for my music selections is because this self-same trumpet teacher of mine, Greg, said something to me in 1986 I've never forgotten, which is there's no more good music and no more new music anymore. He may have just said there's no more new music anymore. And thus, I've never thought anything after 87 was worth playing. That's how it came full circle. That's why I said Metallica. We'll do Ted Cruz in a minute. First, let's go to Steve in Tempe. Hi, Steve. Hi, Seth. I I'm with you on. I, I could hear your. I could hear your angst and the angst in your voice in discussing the the whole woke, uh, cop, uh, anti-black issues and narrative that's been going on right now. And I'm with you on that 100%. One of the things I was thinking about the other day is it related to that cop shooting, the the uh, young man that was shot in, in, in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. One of the things that every one of those shootings that we've, that we've had, and including the George Floyd issue, is that all of these people when they're pulled over by a police officer, are essentially offering resistance as opposed to obedience to what the police officer is They're engaging in a crime called resisting arrest. That's what they're yeah. doing. They are resisting arrest. And I believe, I mean, history doesn't reveal its alternatives, but, um, but I do believe that in almost every one of the famous cases that has been brought to our attention from Michael Brown to last year to today or this week, if there was no resisting of arrest, people would be likely alive. We don't have a police brutality problem in this country. We have a resisting arrest problem in this country. Seth, we have an obedience problem. Well, You and I are are pulled over by a police officer, and that police officer tells us to roll down the window and put our hands on the wheel and and leave, leave them there. Um, we're going to do exactly what they say. Yes. If they tell us to get out of the car, we're going to get out of the car. If they tell us to put our hands on the hood of the car, once we get out of the car, we're going to do that too. The, the, uh, the shootings that are happening as it relates to that, that we're seeing. And again, I, I go back to the one, one most recently. And, you know, that kid tried to get back in his car and drive away while he was, uh, while they were trying to handcuff him, which I didn't quite understand um, how, you know, you have two or three officers there. Why Why are they allowing this guy to even have a chance? Look, there's a reticence. The there's a, there's a, this is probably the problem that we've imposed on ourselves too, Steve, right? There, there's a, there's a police reticence now to engage. Yeah. There's a police yeah. reticence to engage lest what happened happen or yeah. worse. Um this um this this is in part fueled by something i was talking about yesterday and i don't know how you feel about it steve but a part of me does understand not excuse does literally understand where this resisting arrest problem comes from and it comes from these young men i think almost all of them are under the age of 30 Uh, if not younger, these young men being told for 30 years 
that the police is their enemy and if you see and, and that the police want to kill you so how do you blame some 25 year old how do you blame a 25 year old who for 25 years has been told that the police to him is basically what Hezbollah is to a Jew. How do you blame him for wanting to try and run away if trying to be arrested by a police? It, it's, it's, in a sense, morally hard. But the responsibility is not – and the problem and the fault is not the police. The responsibility and the problem and the fault is the community that has told him for 25 years that the police are your enemy. The police are not his enemy, and to think so will end up in your death. Yeah. Who's saying that? Nobody. Exactly. And, and, and Seth, the other thing that is just making me furious about all this is just in the last couple of weeks, we had car incidents that – or I should say one car incident. How about those two teenage – black girls that hijacked the, I think it was an Uber driver. or, or An Uber driver. Eats driver, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, uh, tased him, didn't didn't shoot him with a, yeah. with a gun, but they tased him. and, and Muhammad and Anwar was his to, name. Try, yeah, tried what? to steal his car. I would like someone to, I would like people to write letters to their Democratic Congress people and saying, uh, will you say his name? Will you say yeah. his name? That's a, that, that's a good point because I'm I'm telling you, Seth. I mean, we we've talked about the double standard. He set up so a GoFundMe website, or his family did, to help cover funeral costs, which uh, was uh, which received a goodly amount of money, a, a, a very a very respectable amount of money. This uh, Muhammad Anwar did. Dennis Prager yeah. asks a good question. We'll never know the answer to, but we can presume it. It's a really good question. This yeah. Muslim Indian immigrant to the United States who was killed. What do you think the predominant race was of those who donated to his GoFundMe account? We know what the answer yeah. is. It's the same yeah. race as you and me and Bill. No question. I, Systemically I, I, I racist society. It, yeah. For an and, Indian and, and Muslim. Seth, yeah. Yeah. And Seth, the. There was another shooting incident that happened in the last couple of weeks too, where the the shooter who killed four, I think it was four or five people, was black, mm-hmm. and he was a black supremacist. He was a black. Um, he was a Farrakhan you know, type, yes, in Washington. Exactly. Yes, sir. And 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 how much how much press is that is that getting? None. 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 And, and some and some what, some people are more equal than others, Steve, when it comes to crime. I mean, I would have thought by now you'd have read Animal Farm. It's not that hard to make sense of all this once you do. You know I'm being sarcastic with you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Trades Unlimited for all your roofing needs here in the Valley. I want you to check out tradesunlimited.com. Right now, they're focusing on foam roofs here in the Valley, and that is something they really specialize in. Not only do foam roofs help insulate from our extreme Arizona heat, but they also help insulate your home from exterior noise, and most importantly, they protect your house from water leaks. 
I, as I mentioned, these guys are my friends at Trades Unlimited. I had the privilege to go down to their office and warehouse, meet with Susan and the team, and it's such an impressive group. I like these guys, and you will too. They have an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau, and I know why. As I say, just good people doing great work. Most of their business is by referral or previous customers, which tells you about how great a job they do. We're delighted to welcome them to radio because quality and service is what you will come to know with Trades Unlimited. What you may want to know also is that the hot summer sun is perfect for foam recoats. Protect your roof before the foam beneath the coating gets compromised. Don't wait until it's too late. Call my friends over at Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775 or go to tradesunlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Millie's in Phoenix. It's been a while. Hello, Millie. Hi, Seth. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, we lost the election, but we're not... We're not going to stop fighting. No. Um, I, I want to stop fighting. I'm tired, but I'm not. Um, this is a time that we need to fight, and I just wanted to call in to announce a rally. Good. Um, it's a, an American First uh, rally um, uh, for Biden's obligation to secure our border and for Second Amendment rights. Okay. Um, and we want to stop the socialist infrastructure agenda, wasting hardworking people's money. Okay. Um, it's going to be a really fun rally on Tatum and Che on Saturday, April 17th at 530 on the northeast corner. Um, we just have to we can't stop fighting because once you lose your freedoms, it's a lot of work to get it back. So which, we might as well do the easy thing. Millie, which corner, which corner of Tatum and Shea? I know I'll get calls on this. Which corner? It's on the northeast corner at 530, at Tatum 530, and Shea right. on Saturday, April 17th. Saturday. Wonderful. Bring your signs, bring your flags, and let's go fight on the corner with our voices peacefully now don't leave don't me yet to... don't leave me yet i love the, i love the energy millie i love that you apprise us keep us surprised as these things go and go on yep. and i hope they will tell me what you tell friends in our maga movement who say it's no use anymore what do you tell them i mean we can't give up Good. what's the point we, there's there's no other way you know if you stand back and don't do anything you are the reason you know, we have a bunch of moderates moving into Arizona from other states like Oregon and California, but they're the reason. The moderates, they're coming here, and to be more moderate, we need people that will stand up for what's right. It's, it's not a time to, you know, care about your reputation. It doesn't matter. You need to fight because we're not going to have our country anymore. So if there's a time to fight, it's right now. Bless you. Perfect answer. I would add to that, Millie, that um, we have long said that democracy or Republicans, Republican forms of government, they're not about one vote one time. Right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not just about 2016 and it's not just about 2020. It's about 2021 and 2022 and 2023. Ad infinitum, God please. Right? That's what it's about. Amen to that. Amen to that. Thank you, Millie. Thank you. Stay Thank at you it. Thank you so much. Yeah, you betcha. <laughs> and uh, call us back again on Friday or Thursday or Friday if you want, Millie, to remind people to go. But I love these rallies. You announced them during the campaign, and I say yes, Millie. It's uh, about time to uh, pull up our socks and uh, dust off our britches and get back on the horse. Tatum and Shay this Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Northeastern Corner. Show your um, show your MAGA support. 
And uh, Millie, thank you for that message. You know, Pascal's wager, for those who say it's no use, if they're wrong, thank God, and we've done something good. If they're right, then we just continue going on as we have. In other words, there's no percentage for them to try and be right. The percentage is for them to try and be active with us. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Solar Sandy is one of our great sponsors here at the Seth Liebson Show. She brought integrity back to solar in Arizona. And the actual difference between Solar Sandy and all the other solar companies is not just her integrity, but it's that she actually figured out how to truly zero out your power bill. It's so important when going solar you do it the right way. Solar Sandy has that formula. She is the right way. She wants to put more of your hard-earned money back in your wallet. When you go solar, Solar Sandy will pay 12 months of your solar payments, any portion of your power bill for the first 12 months, and for the first 50 families that sign up with her, she will give you a $1,000 signing bonus. No solar panel payments, no power bills for a year, and a $1,000 bonus at signing. There's no better time to go solar with Solar Sandy than right now. Go to AskSolarSandy.com. Again, that's AskSolarSandy.com. The, um, the woke movements in our country, um, whether they are um, on the college or elementary and secondary school campuses or whether they are in HR departments – or whether they are on the streets of our major cities, um, or whether they are in our journalism, they can all exist pretty strongly without government subsidy and power. But boy, if you have the government subsidy and power behind you, so much the stronger. So much better the ability to make permanent what you try and do on a daily basis. And that's why Kristen Clark is the nominee to become the Assistant Secretary of Justice or the Assistant, uh, excuse me, Assistant, um, Assistant Attorney General, the Assistant Ass Attorney General at the Department of Justice for Civil Rights. And she is as woke as they come. Here's Ted Cruz going after her. I think he's just at his best. Now, let's return to you just said you don't support cutting funds from police. I find that astonishing and, Ms. Clark, frankly, not credible because I'm holding the article you wrote. And I actually pulled out a highlighter and highlighted the beginning of each, each paragraph going through. And about midway through, you have a paragraph that says we must invest less in police and more in social workers. The next paragraph is, we must invest less in police and more in social support to our schools. The next paragraph begins, we must invest less in police and more in mental health aid. Three paragraphs in your article, you begin with the words, we must invest less in police, and you just told this committee under oath, you don't support investing less in police. How do, how do you square those? If, if, I, if I may, Senator, I uh, support 
the fact that President Biden is committing 300 million new dollars for cop, the COPS program, 300 million new dollars uh, for resources to the police. I wrote that op-ed without having the power of the purse string behind me and talked about how we can allocate a limited pool of resources in a more effective way. So you, but, do you believe you were wrong last year when you called for defunding the police and investing less in the police? It's a poor title chosen by the editor. It's not just the title, it's your text. We must invest less in police. Three paragraphs should begin with those words. You wrote those words. Without do you agree the, with those words today? Uh, without the power of the purse string, I wrote those words. But President Biden is committing more resources to police, and I think that's a great thing, Senator. All right, let's shift to another topic. Your advocacy and, in frank, in frankly, extreme position on defunding the police is paired with a history of not only excusing but celebrating murderers who have murdered police officers. It's been reported that during law school you helped organize a conference with speakers who referred to convicted cop killers as political prisoners. This included Mumi Abu-Jabal, who murdered a Philadelphia police officer, and Asanta Shakur, who was convicted of murdering a New Jersey state trooper, escaped from prison, and is on the FBI's most wanted list. Did you organize the conference, and do you support celebrating those who murder police officers as heroes and, and political prisoners? Um, the com that conference you're referring to was organized by the late Dr. Manning Marable, a noted historian who led the Institute for Research in African American Studies. I was a student uh, providing support for the Institute, working on a range of projects. Uh, to the second question, Senator, no, I do not celebrate the loss of life. So if you say you didn't organize the conference, why did multiple speakers at the conference thank you by name for inviting them to speak at the conference? Because I was a, a hardworking student that uh, made sure people were fed, uh, mailed out invitations, provided the agenda. I was the, a student providing logistical support to a notable historian who was the one who organized that conference. So if there's a police officer in Philadelphia or New Jersey today watching this hearing, how are they supposed to react to your nomination to one of the senior positions of the Department of Justice, knowing that as a student you participated in a conference celebrating and lionizing cop killers who murdered a Philadelphia police officer and a New Jersey state trooper? How, how, how should a cop today watching this react to that news? I have never uh, and would not ever celebrate the loss of life or the killing of a police officer, Senator. Not ever. Do you Thank believe they're political Cruz. prisoners? Thank you, Senator Cruz. While she helped give food, logistics, and travel planning to those speakers who celebrate and to this day defend their killing of cops, in fact, that second one who was mentioned uh, is put out on a lot of BLM literature. And in fact, the Arizona State Democratic Party put out a notice last year with a quote from her, one of the women on the FBI's most wanted list, who I believe, as of last report, has fled the country to live in Cuba.
Thanks for spending some of your time with us. I was referencing earlier with John Cribb a, let, a, a letter that um, Frederick Douglass circulated in 1872 to the black churches uh, throughout, um, throughout uh, America to argue in favor of electing, I should say re-electing in 1872, Ulysses S. Grant. And it's one of the most beautiful things. And um, here's a little bit of it. Wherever else there may be room for doubt and uncertainty, there is nothing of the kind with Ulysses S. Grant as our candidate. In the midst of political changes, he is now, as ever, unswerving and inflexible. Nominated regularly by the time-honored Republican Party, he is clothed with all the sublime triumphs of humanity which makes its record. The party stands today free from ally, uh, excuse me, free from alloy, pure and simple. There is either ambiguity in its there is neither ambiguity in its platform nor incongruity in its candidates. U.S. Grant and Henry Wilson, the one from the West and the other from the East, the soldier and the senator, are men in whom we can confide. No two names can better embody the precious and priceless results of the suppression of rebellion and the abolition of slavery. Give your vote to the true heart and good right arm of the man who gained you the ballot, that glorious insignia of your citizenship. He is the wise statesman for whom you trusted your first ballot for president. For no other than him can you trust your second. Boy, the progressives did a number on Ulysses S. Grant and Frederick Douglass. We study neither of them anymore, just at the very time we should. Heroes, both of them heroes. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth Leibson. Class is dismissed.